Welcome to the Enchanted Library, where we turn the pages of books, beautiful and old, living and magical. It's time to curl up, get cozy, and join us on an adventure. Today we're reading stories from 50 Famous Stories Retold by James Baldwin. The Story of Regulus On the other side of the sea from Rome, there was once a great city named Carthage. The Roman people were never very friendly to the people of Carthage, and at last a war began between them. For a long time it was hard to tell which would prove the stronger. First the Romans would gain a battle— then the men of Carthage would gain a battle, and so the war went on for many years. Among the Romans there was a brave general named Regulus, a man of whom it was said that he never broke his word. It so happened after a while that Regulus was taken prisoner and carried to Carthage. Ill and very lonely, he dreamed of his wife and little children so far away beyond the sea, and he had but little hope of ever seeing them again. He loved his home dearly, but he believed his first duty was to his country— and so he had left all to fight in this cruel war. He had lost a battle, it is true, and had been taken prisoner, yet he knew that the Romans were gaining ground, and the people of Carthage were afraid of being beaten in the end. They had sent into other countries to hire soldiers to help them, but even with these they would not be able to fight much longer against Rome. One day some of the rulers of Carthage came to the prison to talk with Regulus. "'We should like to make peace with the Roman people,' they said." and we are sure that if your rulers at home knew how the war was going, they would be glad to make peace with us. We will set you free and let you go home, if you will agree to do as we say. What is that? asked Regulus. In the first place, they said, you must tell the Romans about the battles which you have lost, and you must make it plain to them that they have not gained anything by the war. In the second place, you must promise us that if they will not make peace, you will come back to your prison." "'Very well,' said Regulus. "'I promise you that if they will not make peace, I will come back to prison.' And so they let him go, for they knew that a great Roman would keep his word. When he came to Rome, all the people greeted him gladly. His wife and children were very happy, for they thought that now they would not be parted again. The white-haired fathers who made the laws for the city came to see him. They asked him about the war. "'I was sent from Carthage to ask you to make peace,' he said." but it will not be wise to make peace. True, we have been beaten in a few battles, but our army is gaining ground every day. The people of Carthage are afraid, and well they may be. Keep on with the war a little while longer, and Carthage shall be yours. As for me, I have come to bid my wife and children in Rome farewell. Tomorrow I will start back for Carthage and to prison, for I have promised. Then the fathers tried to persuade him to stay. "'Let us send another man in your place,' they said. "'Shall a Roman not keep his word?' answered Regulus. "'I am ill, and at the best have not long to live. "'I will go back, as I promised.' "'His wife and little children wept, "'and his sons begged him not to leave them again. "'I have given my word,' said Regulus. "'The rest will be taken care of.' "'Then he bade them good-bye, "'and went bravely back to the prison "'in the cruel death which he expected.' This was the kind of courage that made Rome the greatest city in the world. Cornelia's Jewels 
It was a bright morning in the old city of Rome, many hundred years ago. In a vine-covered summer house, in a beautiful garden, two boys were standing. They were looking at their mother and her friend, who were walking among the flowers and trees. "'Did you ever see so handsome a lady as our mother's friend?' asked the younger boy, holding his tall brother's hand. "'She looks like a queen.' "'Yet she is not so beautiful as our mother,' said the elder boy. "'She has a fine dress, it is true.' but her face is not noble and kind. It is our mother who is like a queen. That is true, said the other. There is no woman in Rome so much like a queen as our own dear mother. Soon Cornelia, their mother, came down the walk to speak with them. She was simply dressed in a plain white robe. Her arms and feet were bare, as was the custom in those days, and no rings nor chains glittered about her hands and neck. For her only crown, long braids of soft brown hair were coiled about her head, and a tender smile lit up her noble face as she looked into her son's proud eyes. Boys, she said, I have something to tell you. They bowed before her, as Roman lads were taught to do, and said, What is it, mother? You are to dine with us today, here in the garden, and then our friend is going to show us that wonderful casket of jewels of which you have heard so much. The boys looked shyly at their mother's friend. Was it possible that she still had other rings besides those on her fingers? Could she have other gems besides those which sparkled in the chains about her neck? When the simple outdoor meal was over, a servant brought the casket from the house. The lady opened it. Ah, how those jewels dazzled the eyes of the wondering boys! There were ropes of pearls, white as milk and smooth as satin, Heaps of shining rubies, red as the glowing coals, sapphires as blue as the sky that summer day, and diamonds that flashed and sparkled like the sunlight. The brothers looked long at the gems. Ah, whispered the younger, if our mother could only have such beautiful things. At last, however, the casket was closed and carried carefully away. Is it true, Cornelia, that you have no jewels? asked her friend. Is it true, as I had heard it whispered, that you are poor? No, I am not poor, answered Cornelia, and as she spoke she drew her two boys to her side, for here are my jewels. They are worth more than all your gems. I am sure that the boys never forgot their mother's pride and love and care, and in after years, when they had become great men of Rome, they often thought of this scene in the garden, and the world still likes to hear the story of Cornelia's jewels. Androclus and the Lion In Rome there was once a poor slave whose name was Androclus. His master was a cruel man, and so unkind to him that at last Androclus ran away. He hid himself in a wild wood for many days, but there was no food to be found, and he grew so weak and sick that he thought he should die. So one day he crept into a cave and lay down, and soon he was fast asleep. After a while a great noise woke him up. A lion had come into the cave and was roaring loudly. Androclus was very much afraid, for he felt sure that the beast would kill him. Soon, however, he saw that the lion was not angry, but that he limped as though his foot hurt him. Then Androclus grew so bold that he took hold of the lion's lame paw to see what was the matter. The lion stood quite still and rubbed his head against the man's shoulder. He seemed to say, I know that you will help me. Androclus lifted the paw from the ground, and saw that it was a long, sharp thorn which hurt the lion so much. He took the end of the thorn in his fingers, 
Then he gave a strong, quick pull, and out it came. The lion was full of joy. He jumped about like a dog and licked the hands and feet of his new friend. Androclus was not at all afraid after this, and when night came, he and the lion lay down and slept side by side. For a long time, the lion brought food to Androclus every day, and the two became such good friends that Androclus found his new life a very happy one. One day, some soldiers who were passing through the wood found Androclus in the cave. They knew who he was, and so took him back to Rome. It was the law at that time that every slave who ran away from his master should be made to fight a hungry lion. So a fierce lion was shut up for a while without food, and a time was set for the fight. When the day came, thousands of people crowded to see the sport. They went to such places at that time, very much as people nowadays go to see a circus show or a game of baseball. The door opened, and poor Androclus was brought in. He was almost dead with fear, for the roars of the lion could already be heard. He looked up and saw there was no pity in the thousands of faces around him. Then the hungry lion rushed in. With a single bound he reached the poor slave. Androclus gave a great cry, not of fear, but of gladness. It was his old friend, the lion of the cave. The people, who had expected to see the man killed by the lion, were filled with wonder. They saw Androclus put his arms about the lion's neck. They saw the lion lie down at his feet and lick them lovingly. They saw the great beast rub his head against the slave's face, as though he wanted to be petted. They could not understand what it all meant. After a while, they asked Androclus to tell them about it. So he stood up before them, and with his arm around the lion's neck, told how he and the beast had lived together in the cave. "'I am a man,' he said, "'but no man has ever befriended me. This poor lion alone has been kind to me, and we love each other as brothers.' The people were not so bad that they could be cruel to the poor slave now. "'Live and be free!' they cried. "'Live and be free!' Others cried, "'Let the lion go free, too. Give both of them their liberty.' And so Androclus was set free, and the lion was given to him for his own, and they lived together in Rome for many years. Horatius at the Bridge once there was a war between the Roman people and the Etruscans, who lived in the towns on the other side of the Tiber River. Persena, the king of the Etruscans, raised a great army and marched towards Rome. The city had never been in so great danger. The Romans did not have very many fighting men at that time, and they knew they were not strong enough to meet the Etruscans in open battle, so they kept themselves inside of their walls and set guards to watch the roads. One morning, the army of Porsena was seen coming over the hills from the north. There were thousands of horsemen and footmen, and they were marching straight toward the wooden bridge that spanned the river at Rome. "'What shall we do?' said the white-haired fathers, who made the laws for the Roman people. "'If they once gain the bridge, we cannot hinder them from crossing, and then what hope will there be for the town?' Now, among the guards at the bridge there was a brave man named Horatius, he was on the farther side of the river, and when he saw that the Etruscans were so near, he called out to the Romans who were behind him. "'Hew down the bridge with all the speed you can,' he cried. "'I, with the two men who stand by me, will keep the foe at bay.' Then, with their shields before them and their long spears in their hands, the three brave men stood in the road and kept back the horsemen whom Porsena had sent to take the bridge." 
On the bridge, the Romans hewed away at the beams and posts. Their axes rang, the chips flew fast, and soon it trembled and was ready to fall. "'Come back, come back and save your lives!' they cried to Horatius and the two who were with him. But just then, Porcina's horsemen dashed toward them again. "'Run for your lives,' said Horatius to his friends. "'I will keep the road.' They turned and ran back across the bridge. They had hardly reached the other side when there was a crashing of beams and timbers. The bridge toppled over to one side and then fell with a great splash into the water. When Horatius heard the sound, he knew the city was safe. With his face still toward Porsena's men, he moved slowly backward until he stood on the river's bank. A dart thrown by one of Porsena's soldiers put out his left eye, but he did not falter. He cast his spear at the foremost horseman, and then he turned quickly around. He saw the white porch of his own home among the trees on the other side of the stream. And he spake to the noble river that rolls by the walls of Rome, O Tiber, Father Tiber, to whom the Romans pray, a Roman's life, a Roman's arms, take thou in charge today. He leaped into the deep, swift stream. He still had his heavy armor on, and when he sank out of sight, no one thought he would ever be seen again. But he was a strong man, and the best swimmer in Rome. The next minute he rose. He was halfway across the river, and safe from the spears and darts which Porcina's soldiers hurled after him. Soon he reached the farther side, where his friends stood ready to help him. Shout after shout greeted him as he climbed upon the bank. Then Persina's men shouted also, for they had never seen a man so brave and strong as Horatius. He had kept them out of Rome, but he had done a deed which they could not help but praise. As for the Romans, they were very grateful to Horatius for having saved their city. They called him Horatius Cockles which meant the one-eyed Horatius, because he had lost an eye in defending the bridge. They caused a fine statue of brass to be made in his honor, and they gave him as much land as he could plow around in the day. And for hundreds of years afterward, with weeping and with laughter, still was the story told, how well Horatius kept the bridge in the brave days of old. Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a review on your favorite podcast platform and share our podcast with a friend. Stay connected by following us on Facebook at facebook.com slash enchanted library. If you'd like to support the work we do, you can visit our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash enchanted library. We appreciate your support. Until next time, friends, happy reading. Happy reading.